Welcome to In the Isles, the movie and TV podcast that serves the brass for last. I'm James. I'm Dan. This week we're going to talk about what we've been watching. We have some real news and our main review is fresh, now available on Disney+. Plus. Have you watched it? Yes. Good. Good prep. Yeah. Kind of kibosh the entire episode if you haven't, so thank you. I have done the absolute minimum. I think you listeners will be able to tell that from the content that we are reviewing this week. <laughs> um, but before we get into all that, how are you as a human being? Anything interesting happened in your week? My new phone case that I mentioned. Yes, I had not forgot. A few, two or three episodes ago. It's working out absolutely great. It's a great product. It stores cards in the back, but the back flap. It's like uh, it's like an iPad cover, the iPad magnetic flap cover. And you can fold that in a way that you can stand the phone up as well. Mm, okay. You can you can have the phone freestanding, and it holds your cards in the back. It's a really great product, and I, I do feel like my it's just given my my life a sort of new new energy it's like there's before i brought this product and after and now i'm ready for the, ready to face the future you are either on commission for whoever manufactured this product or this is just a new segment that we're trying it remains to be seen yeah well i've not i've not named the product or the company so i can't I don't, i'm not doing a good job of being on commission if i'm on commission which this, i'm not this was my prompt where did you buy it all right from? okay <laughs> go on seriously i don't know it doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't say on it it doesn't say it's wasting everyone's time. I'm having a drink here and it's got ice in it and it keeps clinking around. So if you can hear that in the background, I apologize. So, well, I'm glad that was a worthwhile purchase. Good for you. How are you doing? I'm all right. I've 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 had the greatest thing happen to me this week ever. So if you're a long-time listener, you may have heard me talking a few times about the TV series Green Eggs and Ham on Netflix. And my son has only watched this for the last two and a half years of his life. Nothing else. We can't get him to watch anything else. He's obsessed with it. And it's very good. It is the most expensive animated series of all time. Season two, we've been waited for with bated breath for months on end. And you cannot find the release date for Love No Money on the internet. It shock dropped today on Netflix. So I was so excited um my partner's been off today so she's been off with him put it on for him so excited he's not bothered he's not bothered because it's not the 12 episodes that he's watched for the last two and a half years so it's just landed with a dull thud and i've just i feel like the wind's been taken out my sails feel a bit depressed now so i'm looking forward to watching it though because it's actually a good program right so he he was enjoying watching the 12 episodes of the first series. That's what he's familiar with. But second series, it's like it's new content. I don't like it. Yeah. The crux of it, it has a different animated opening sequence, which I think instantly makes him go, uh, something else. Ugh. So anyway, not, not impressed. But okay. on, on the other side of things, how familiar are you with the tube, the underground in London? Not familiar at all. Nor am I. So started a new job this week, went and travelled there for the first day to London and had to subject myself to public transport like you did last week. Mm. And I got some of the same shady characters 
to be honest. Um, not so much there, but on the way back. Anyway, the tube. I went to buy tickets from the little machine thing when you get in there. And it was going to cost me £6.70 for a day pass. And the woman who was helping people out, she said, don't do that. Just scan your card on the gate, on the turnstile. When you go through, it's cheaper. If I'd have gone for the machine, it would have been £6.70. Doing it at the gate, she said, oh, it will only be £2 odd. I was like, that's fantastic news. So I used Google Pay and took about four trains all day. And it cost me 10 pence. Okay. That's not right, is it? Something's gone wrong there. Or it's just going to be charged later on. Is that how it works? Maybe that's what I don't. It I don't know. I don't know. Like maybe that ten pence is like a holding charge, and it mm. all comes off later. I've got no idea. Right, listeners, not relevant to the podcast. But if you do know the answer, write in because I'm very intrigued. And uh, yeah, I guess you know we're from up north, so we don't yeah. know these things. Um, it's a nice chance as well, actually, to be a bit more northern on this podcast because I've been pretend posh all week. So you should get an oyster card if you're gonna be going regularly. Yeah, somebody else threw out that advice this week. Um I will do so. Thank you. Shall we get down to it? Yes. Yeah. I'll cut most of that out, probably, <laughs> unless the episode runs in at under 50 minutes. Otherwise I'll use it for padding. James, what have you been watching this week? The very extremely highly reviewed, but I think underwatched program. Somebody, somewhere, it's available. There's a dog that barking. Bear with me. <laughs> Sounded like some introduction music and then a barking dog. I can't hear you. Sorry, go on. What? Back down, headphones back in. Nothing, it's fine. Um... It's available on HBO Max in the US and now TV in the UK. It is a, I think it's a semi-autobiographical program starring Bridget Everett, who is a theatre star. And she plays Sam, who feels like an outsider in her hometown of Kansas. But she finds a community where people like her gather amidst her struggles in life. It's, a, it's an evening choir. And the first episode starts with Sam. Her sister has died six months ago, but she's not quite over it yet. She's out of sorts. She's an outsider. She's struggling to connect with her sister, her parents. Job don't, doesn't really like it very much. And her job is marking essays, as marking as many essays as possible, which isn't really quite clear. And it's a very simple program. That those two sentences that I've just said do sum it up. Each episode is just her making new friends, hanging out with them, doing choir, doing brunch, and on occasion, the, the seven episodes and the some episodes where the action peaks, where she'll some a dark secret is revealed, like um, Harlan Coben style, and she has to deal with that and talk to family about that, and. It's, my, it's a comedy drama, but it's more heartwarming slice of life drama. So it's a perfect chill out, take it in, enjoy spending time with these characters. They're all nice people. You want to spend time with them. And Sam Bridge Everett, 
I've never seen her anything else before. I think this is her first like big role. She's an extremely relatable, warm, lovable protagonist. One of the best protagonists I've seen in a program this year. And it's portrayal of small town life in Kansas. It doesn't look down on small town Americans. It just presents them as these real people with thoughts and dreams. And I really liked it. I binged the whole thing, I think in a single day, maybe two days. It's great. Seven episodes, about 27 minutes each. Easy to watch. If you are not moved by the end of the first episode, there's something wrong with you. You have some kind of emotional deficiency. I thought you did. No, well, I mustn't do because I, <laughs> uh, I was uh, very moved by the end of episode one of Somebody Somewhere. I was only joking, by the way. I didn't really think okay. about you. Yeah. Bridget Everett, the main character, she is 49 years old and it's a coming of middle age comedy drama. And we're not old, but we're not young either. And I think watching something like this had more of an impact on me. And it made me think this is maybe more the content that I want to watch and not Moon Knight or Hawkeye. Yeah. Did it also have the added value of making you think, yeah, I'm finding it more interesting, but I'm still nowhere near that edge. Yeah, great. yeah, yeah. Still still got time. Because there's a scene where she's talking about planning her future. You know, her friend's planning a future. And she just says dismissively to a friend, don't plan your future. Like, this is, this is, a, this is the future. Now it's happened. Like, our dreams haven't happened. And so there's that scene, but then it makes you think, well, I've still got time. Yeah. Still got time. I've never heard of that. Never heard of it. So I will give it a go. Thank you very much. It came out to rare reviews in January and, and I've wanted to watch it for a while. Finally did, but I don't think anyone's actually watched it. What else have you been watching? Another slice of life, relaxed thing. Therme Roma Nova or Therme Rome Nove. I think it's a, a Latin title. It's an anime on Netflix. It is about a bath architect in ancient Rome who starts surfacing in present-day Japan, and he's inspired by the modern bathing innovations he finds. It really is that simple. That's what every episode is. The episode titles are things like Lucius builds an outdoor bath. Lucius learns bathing etiquette in Japan. Lucius builds a theme bath. Each episode has this structure of introductory scene in Rome, talking to people about life. It's not really that dramatic, not much going on. Travel forward in time to Japan. And there's these hilarious, and I mean hilarious and funny scenes of Lucius visiting present-day Japan, and he's totally blown away, but also extremely excited by the bathing innovations that he finds, like showers or Lit, having a lid on top of the bath to keep the heating or outdoor baths in the mountains. He, he can't believe what he's seeing. And he, and in some episodes, he break, well, in the second episode, he breaks down and he says, I can't believe the amazing innovations that I'm seeing. The Roman Empire will surely fall to a society that can have such incredible innovations in bathing technology. And it's, it's so completely over the top in how he describes 
like bath making architecture but it's it's infectious the enthusiasm and it's very funny i'm half tempted to ask you if this is real or whether you're pitching this doesn't seem like a real program it's real it's real it's based on a manga as all animes are and they've just made it into an anime as all mangas are and the last five minutes of each episode it's the writer of the manga like in in real life in the flesh visiting hot springs in japan so there's an episode where he he travels forward in time and they give him a hot spring egg like a soft boiled egg that's heated by the hot spring water and he's amazed by it he can't believe how tasty this egg is so then the last five episodes the last five minutes of the episode is the writer of the manga like rediscovering how delicious like hot spring eggs are it's five minutes of like documentary at the end i'm gonna have to have a look into this because i think that's the most conceptually bizarre program that i've heard of for quite a while can you paste the name of it in this chat because i don't think i'm going to be able to find it for the instagram post please <laughs> netflix it is on netflix i should have said the the algorithm kept pushing it to me it kept saying it's trending trending content like, this is definitely not trending netflix that is a lie that is a lie this is pure personalized algorithm content that you're giving to me but i've, I've enjoyed it it's it's ridiculous and there's one i can't repeat i can't i'm not gonna repeat what it's obviously a, a joke it's not it's not offensive but when this roman travels forward in time to see all these japanese people he just says this really offensive way of describing japanese people but then he keeps saying it every episode like that's just how he refers to them because he doesn't know who they are so he just keeps having this racist description of them for the whole thing but it's a joke. It's written by Japanese. Okay. How intriguing. Right. Anything else? Firme Rome Nova. Firm, firm Rome Nova. Which is firm Firme is like hot is hot spring baths in, in Latin. Or Rome language. Rome versus Rome. <laughs> and Nova is new, isn't it? I don't know. I like it. Oh, Nova, it's, it means it's a star showing a sudden large increase in brightness, then slowly returning to its original state over a few months. No, no, there's, there's more to this. I'm, there's more, there's more. Uh, it just means a new star. I'd, yeah, new star. Go with that. Yeah, we'll leave it there before we go down the rabbit hole further, shall we? Yeah. Well, a nice varied mix of content there. Thank you very much. Was there anything else? Sorry, that was rude. No, that was it. That was it. So, a coming of middle age American drama and a sharp left turn to a hot spring based anime. Daniel, what have you been watching? Well, to steal a joke from you at the top of the show, which we didn't record, I've stayed very much on British soil and watched two pieces of content. One about a guy who's known for his horrific bullying and harassment of others. And the other about Jimmy Savile. No, I've messed the joke up. I've messed it up. You did it a lot better. It's fine. We'll move on. So Jimmy Savile, a British horror story. I don't think I really need to tell people what this is about. Um, yeah. it's You might be an American listener, though. And I think this is why Netflix have got in on it, because... I don't think it's as widely known in America as it is here. But anyway, 
If you don't know, Jimmy Savile, popular entertainment figure in the 70s and 80s, beloved by the British public. And in the early 2010s, I think it was, it finally came to light after years of rampant speculation that he was, in fact, one of the worst paedophiles of all time. If you wanted that accolade, I'm sure he didn't. I'm quite up on this topic. I've watched numerous documentaries about uh, Jimmy Savile. And the question for me before I started watching it was, am I going to get anything out of this? I've seen so much. And the answer is yes, I did. I'm actually really, I don't want to use the word glad that I watched it, but it's one of the most thorough pieces of media that I've seen on Savile and his crimes, which, by the way, revelation, Savile, spelt with one L, always thought it was two. So very eye-opening, this documentary. Anyway, um, it takes you through his career, explaining to you why, why there was this appeal around him, how he was so prolific. And um, it's not done with any form of narration. It's all like archival footage and talking heads from journalists and those who were close to him. And obviously we've got some interviews with the victims too. The archive footage is the thing that I thought really made it worth watching. So they've managed to get their hands on just, I, I cannot imagine how much content they've had to sift through. There's so It's pretty much from beginning to end, archival footage with people talking over it, but not a narration as such, just interjecting with the thoughts. And what they do with this footage is they've, they've obviously handpicked the most offensive stuff but he manages to put his foot in it time and time again, Jimmy Savile. He says things that now in context are like, how has nobody picked up on this? It is so in your face. And I think it's one of those things where it's, you know, if you're more obvious about it, then people don't suspect you. I think it was that, but it is really troubling to see that because it is just obvious that something's lurking beneath the surface. And I'm saying lurking beneath the surface but the thing that i've never understood about this guy if you look at him he just screams nonce like he really does and i don't know how he got away with it for so many years but anyway the, the documentary it touches on some things that i've never even heard about before so i know that he had links to prince charles and the royal family but this goes into it in a lot more detail and the have handwritten letters from prince charles leaning on jimmy savile for advice of how to conduct themselves and address situations to the public that they, they are using him as an official advisor for the royal family it's absolutely unbelievable and obviously they don't know this about him at this point in time or you would like to think they don't don't want to cast a further shadow over the royal family but it's just one of those you sat there open mode thinking how did so many people get roped into this guy's web it's just it beggars belief. It's about three hours in total, and it's done in two parts. The only thing that I didn't like about this, the second episode repeats a few beats and uses some of the same footage from the first episode, which is a shame because it's a really tight first episode that I thought I cannot wait to watch the rest of it now. And don't get me wrong, it's like five minutes worth of repeated content, so it's not overly used. Um. And yeah, I suppose calling it a British horror story, that might seem a bit dramatic, but it's really not. This is one of the most chilling 
travesties to ever take place, I think, within Britain. It's unbelievable. And there is a scene at the end, which, you know what, I'm going to spoil it. Jimmy Savile on top of the pops, in front of the camera, groping a woman right next to him whilst he's on camera and talking to the camera. And I'm just like, what? (laughs) It's unreal and I'm laughing, but it is very uncomfortable watching. It is, it's sickening, this. But I think it is. it does deserve to be watched. Okay. Good summary. It's the number one show on Netflix at time of, of recording. I saw it and I just thought, I don't think I can watch it. Because I, I feel like... I, I, I get the idea of what went on. I'm yeah. sure I may have done all the details in the documentary, but I feel like, yep, get it. I, I get it. I know. Because it's number one on Netflix... I just had this image of households around the UK saying, let's just, we finished Bridgerton and The Crown. That was fun. There's some good fun content there. Let's watch the newest Netflix hot show, Jimmy Savile. It's, it's such a different, it's such a contrast. Yeah. To go from, it's like a tonal whiplash to go from Bridgerton to Jimmy Savile. And you know what? Some people might inadvertently find themselves subjected to this by going, oh, a British horror story. Oh, interesting. This is real life. And it's not a pleasant ride. I'll warn you of that much. So, yeah. Okay. What else have you been watching? The other thing that I've been watching is Gordon Ramsay's Future Food Stars. He's the bully that I stole the joke from James about in the beginning. It's all come full circle. So... I know Gordon Ramsay's a bit of a dick. I do know that, but I just can't help but watch anything that he puts out. I am a bit obsessed with Gordon Ramsay. And he's made this move to the BBC, hasn't he? Where he, I think we, did, was it me or you who reviewed his game show? That was an it was awesome you. mess. Was definitely you. Oh, there we go. <laughs> just highlighting the problem even further. So this is a new competitive cooking show. And I would have definitely reached this conclusion myself, but I read The Guardian's review before I watched it, which sums it up as The Apprentice with more helicopters and it's about food. And when I read that headline, which gave it two stars, I thought, all guns blazing, I'm ready to tear this thing down if it's as bad as it says it is. And in the opening 10 minutes, it gave me everything in terms of ammunition to just stand side by side with that Guardian reviewer and say, this is utter tosh. Because we've got 12 budding food entrepreneurs and they're competing for 150 grand of Gordon's own money. Does this ring any bells? Yeah, sounds like The Apprentice. And, you know, what's a better way of understanding if somebody's got everything in them to be a future cook than to hurl themselves off a cliff in Cornwall? Surely that is the task in a food cooking show to really get to grips with whether these people are capable or not. It doesn't make any sense the first 10 minutes of the show. It's like asking, I don't know, some semi-professional footballers to knit a jumper under pressure or something. It's just, it's stupid. But then it it doesn't stick like that. It does go a bit more food-orientated after that. And they pitch themselves up three teams, basically split themselves out and they've got to come up with a menu and serve a lot of beachgoers. And it comes down to a profit or loss task at the end of the day. Whoever's made the most profit, that team gets through and the one who earned the least, Gordon must then decide out of 
that team who he wants to leave. And then he interviews them all to decide which person is leaving. Again, sound familiar? Well, if you're thinking it sounds like The Apprentice, you'd be wrong because he interviews them individually. So, bit of a twist there. Anyway, at the end, I'm pretty sure this is what happened. I'll have to watch it back. He announces who's leaving, and then Gordon just goes, I'm done, and walks out the room with this just uncomfortable silence. It's just all very weird. Anyway, it's really formulaic TV, and I suppose that's the standard for this sort of show. It's not completely awful, but it's not very good either. You have seen it all before. It's just been reskinned. Um, I am going to watch the second episode tonight, though. I've got some guesses for what he says when he fires people. Go on. I've reached my boiling point with you. You're burned. You're cooked. And the obvious one, you're fried. So well, what does he say? Does he have a, does he have a catchphrase? Or does he just... I, well, it's one that you've only done one episode, so I guess you don't know. Yeah, no, I don't know if it's going to be a recurring thing. I'm pretty sure he just said get out or something. Okay. <laughs> In typical horrendous Gordon Ramsay style. So, yeah, it's... it's. T- I don't know what it is about this. There's so many TV shows like it where it's like the subliminally just putting heroin into my eyeballs. I'm not... I don't know. I still have to carry on watching it, and I know it's not good, but I'm going to watch it. It's weird. Okay, what's it called again? Gordon Ramsay's Future Food Stars. FFS. <laughs> yep. That's that's a better review than the last three minutes. <laughs> uh, yeah, good, good, uh, good content selection. I respect it. Good content, but there are two things the world doesn't need more of. Netflix crime documentaries and competitive cooking shows. And I reviewed them both. So I'll take your comments as pure sarcasm, as I'm sure they were intended. What the world does need more of is film and TV news. It's the real thing. It is now real, real news, news. Swooping in first, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 has broken a world record for prosthetics. This is from NME.com. It's broken the world record for the most makeup appliances on a single production with the film still 13 months away from release. That's exciting. Are you being serious? I I think it is, but I don't know whether you're being serious. It's interesting because as the Twitter responses have said, the Twitterverse saying that they're keeping practical effects alive. I think it's really good. I was just going to say that if that's an indication of less CGI, then I am all for it. Given it's a year, though, somebody's got a year to re-break that record and claim the title, if anybody deems, you know, the challenge worth going for. Yeah. Sex in the City (laughs) 3. Obvious contender there. Yeah, definitely. Are you looking forward to Guardians 3? I'm looking forward to Guardians 3. What a journey the film has been on from James Gunn being fired to making the Suicide Squad. And I thought this film was out in... I thought it was out this year. But it's out on the 5th of May, 2023. Vol 2 was out in 2017. Five-year gap. That is a five-year gap. Sounds very un esque doesn't it? Yeah. I'm sure by the time it comes out, I'll be, I'll be 
in with the hype, but they've definitely lost some momentum. How do you feel about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3? Well, the way that I feel about it, James, is that I must definitely watch Volume 2 first, which I have not. So what's your honest opinion? Because I, I loved the first one, actually. I thought it was really good, as did my missus, who's not a Marvel fan. Is two on par or a bit a bit lesser quality-wise? I don't think it is. I don't know if that's the majority opinion or not. I also love the first one. I watched it many times when it was on, I think it was on Netflix before Disney Plus existed. Brilliant. Volume two, I, I just wasn't as into it, even though it's basically the same thing again, but with father-son drama, I, I just wasn't as into it. It was less new. Maybe that was the problem. Mm. I mean, there was no scene skipping or... Double speed, or no, no, I watched it in normal, in, in normal time. Also, with this is a film and TV podcast, but if anybody's interested, Guardians of the Galaxy, the game, which is awesome, is now on Xbox Game Pass for free. So give it a play; it's good. James, obviously, we, we like to talk about current content. We've just covered then a film that is going to be released more than a year away. But how's about? A film that we're not going to get to watch for another hundred years. So this comes courtesy of probably the most used news source that we've got, virginradio.co.uk. There is a film that was filmed in 2015 that will not be released till 2115. So many questions about this. I mean, one, not relevant to that news story, is so far ahead. Are we going to pronounce it 2115 or will it be 21,015? Definitely won't be 21,000. Yeah, we don't say that now, do we? No. No, hang on. No, because it's not. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Realize what I've done. (laughs) Maybe 2115. But that'll be be the tens. Mm. Again, they'll be saying, oh, what should we say? Should we call it the tens? Yeah. The other is, will films exist then? Or is this just a complete waste of time and money? You'll be able to watch films in virtual vision, like straight in front of your eyes. Mm. Like the content, you'll be able to have eye implants. So it won't actually be a hologram in front of your eyes. It will actually be inside your eyes, in in front of your eyes virtually. Which is a perv's dream, isn't it, really? If you imagine a society where everyone's doing that, you can no longer be accused of like lingering stairwise at somebody. You could be watching something, just saying opportunity. Okay, yeah. We're, we're getting... Yeah. You, I don't know how you went straight to that from <laughs> what um, I was talking about. But... guess it speaks to how my mind works. Anyway, sorry, we've digressed quite a lot there. I do apologise. So this is a film, as I say, filmed in 2015 that stars John Malkovich, and it won't be released to 2115. And the idea behind it is it's an experimental film by Robert Rodriguez. It's actually a promotion for Louis the... Oh, my God. I'm struggling 13. again. Thank you. Louis Thirteen Cognac, which takes 100 years to age before it's sold to customers. I actually think this is a really ambitious thing to do. I just wish it was for something else than... A, a cognac advert, really? Because mm. who's to yeah. say that brand's still going to be about then? Yeah, 
But I'm guessing you can buy the cognac now. And wait for it to age. I just assume you can buy it very expensively and drink it now. It does exist now. I don't really get it, to be honest. <laughs> it for, the origins go back to the 1700s. There you go. So you can buy this cognac now. So and I, I think in 1874, he started selling the 100-year-old one. So it's it's out there in the world already. So this is just an advert for something you can already buy. Don't get it, to be honest. Okay. A bit weird. Okay. I get what you're saying. Not stupid. I just, I just don't know why they've done this. Because the other thing, it might be good to revisit this in 100 years, this film, and say, oh, this is what they envisage the future to be because from what I see of the images that looks to be what they're doing they're predicting what a hundred years will look like but can you imagine how lame it might look as well like if you if you imagine the innovations over the last hundred years just from a filmmaking perspective this could look like VHS in comparison to the 24k that human eyeballs are not capable of seeing but still I just think this is a bit of a pointless venture. Just my thoughts. Okay. I think the whole existence of it is is just an advert for this cognac and nothing more. Like it's an advert for it's an advert for the cognac product to buy now. And it will never come out. And it's not intended to ever be seen. The whole thing is a gimmick, a marketing gimmick for the cognac. That's my opinion. Now that you've said that, I feel really stupid. Okay. <laughs> Because you're almost definitely right. So with that, let me just wallow in my shame and give us another piece of news, will you? Okay. I'm reading this off the official press release because I don't want to see any spoilers. Apple TV Plus announces season two renewal for global hit series Severance. Surely one of the shows of the year, The Workplace. That's my opinion. That's not Apple TV press release. One of the best shows of the year. It's a workplace thriller. From director and executive producer Ben Stiller, it's brilliant, it's fantastic, and I can't wait for season two. Please, can it be as good as this series one? Fingers crossed. We say that, but hopefully we don't end on a sour note because both of us have the last episode to watch, don't we, before we talk about it next week. I hope it ends on a high. Yeah, yeah. The thing with series one, the intrigue comes from the concept and not knowing anything and thinking, what's really going on here? And then if season two is just about, we know what's going on now, let's have a fight to bring them down. That, that seems just less interesting to me than the, than the mystery of season one. Yeah, I, I agree. It is that mystery element which has made it so good. So, I mean, that weird space where I want to have some answers Definitely, by the end of the season. But I don't want all to be spoiled because it's got nowhere to go effectively, has it? But we're going to report back with our views on season one next week. But between now and then, we've got something else to review, haven't we, James? Yes. Something new-ish. <laughs> Hello? I'd like to order an opinion, please. This film is new, fresh point of view. Hold me sit back, this is a fact. We in the aisles, here are some aisles. Thoughts in sync, tell you what to think. I'll listen to you, but please don't rap again. 
This week's men review is fresh. Let me know how you do it, Molly. Do what? Dating people. No, no. You do not need a man, okay? So don't play the games. Just be you straight out the gate. Do you live around here? Because I, I live on aisle six. That was terrible. It was kind of terrible. What's his Instagram? I want to stalk a little bit. Just have one. Say what? Yeah. Oh, no. See, that's, that's shady. Let's play a game. Tell me something you don't want me to know. I hate this. OK. <laughs> we all our hopes of finding happiness through someone else. Yeah. Girl, you all digmatized, and I haven't even seen this dude. What's going on? I'm going to tell you, but you're going to freak out. No, this isn't happening. Yeah, it's happening. No games. Know what you wanted? The horrors of modern dating are seen through the eyes of a young woman who is battling to survive her new boyfriend's behavior. I think the, the two, two words at the end of this summary is a spoiler, so I've changed it. I appreciate that, and I think the listeners will too. If they stop here and go and watch the film and then come back to us. James, as for the film, did you find it uh, fresh, fresh? Exciting or not fresh? What's that from? Sunday, oh, Sunday Delight. No, it's a song. It's a popular song from the nineties or something. I'm gonna, I'm gonna find out. I'm gonna find out. It is from the very popular song "Cool and the Gang" called "Fresh." Butchered it in terms of delivery, but that's what I was going for. Butchered it, did you? Mm. Mm. This was another film like X, where I felt like the hype is there. Is the hype? real i had expectations for it and it's a simple tale and it's more about the the atmosphere and the weirdness and the the shocking events but not necessarily on screen gore and it's a simple setup but then the plot as the plot moves along there is a little bit more to it than you think so daisy edgar jones dates sebastian stan and doesn't really it starts off very nice a meat cute in a supermarket but things get a bit bit weird later on and you think right this is just going to be about the weirdness but then daisy edgar jones's friend and what she does that's more present in the plot than i thought it was going to be and that meant there was more going on than I thought it was going to be. It's not just constant misery. It's not It's not a film that takes place in a single room, which is what you think it might end up being. So it does move along quite nicely. And I'm really trying hard to avoid spoilers. And the way that Daisy Edgar Jones' character reacts to the situation, her, her scheming and plotting, that adds to the sense of, of progression. What I'm trying to say is that it's not boring. It's, it, is a, it is a plot that moves along. And it is a, it's a horror film, maybe a, psychologi a very psychological horror. But what I realised maybe a bit too late was that it's not about the gore or the blood. I was expecting more like shocking reveals of horrible, bloody injuries, but that never came. And I realised maybe too late oh that that's the point it's supposed to be left to your imagination it's more about the suggestion of things which is fine which is fine but for that reason 
it's disturbing just more on a mental level, not on the not on the gore side, like X that we talked about last time. Thematically, it did remind me of Promising Young Woman. Did you feel that as well? I never drew the comparison, but now that you've said it, I can understand why. Yeah, that makes sense. It's kind of it's saying this is what. No, it's not. It, I don't think it's a all men are evil film. I think it's more complicated than that. Just like Promising Woman, but it's it's like here's this thing, here's this idea of what it is like to be in the modern world in dating, and let's just take it through. Let's just follow it through to a horrible conclusion. Let's see how far we can take this idea in a ninety-minute film. How deeply can we? explore it so i thought it was that promising young woman in that way not as good but still similar in that it did it does make you think about what's really happening here what's this film really trying to say the cast daisy edgar jones i've not seen normal people but i feel like i maybe should after this because she's very good and excellent in it there is one scene in particular where she goes through these like the stages of coming to terms with the situation that she's in and the direct the way it's directed and her acting is so perfect it's such an amazing few minutes of acting this kind of it's almost like the stages of grief that she goes to it's such a perfectly done scene perfectly done bit of acting and she's really good all the way through sebastian stan the winter soldier he's he's not he doesn't go full patrick bateman christian bell but he has that disgusting charisma to him, that absolutely psychotic man, like completely lacking in empathy. But he doesn't go over the top with it, and I think that's to his benefit, that he could be going completely crazy, but he's not. He just reins it in just enough, not so that he's sympathetic, but it just makes it a little bit more sinister and realistic. The whole film is basically those two and... I think they work really well together. I did look up that they have a 16-year age difference, which did make it a bit distracting that they would get together, but it was fine. In terms of what it's really about, it did make me reflect on things a little bit. It's not all men are evil film. I think it's more about modern dating more than that, And and I think the reason for that is that it's because it does open with scenes of using tinder and it loops back to that eventually so i think it's more about i don't know what it's about i will get into it in spoilers but yeah definitely something that made me think that i'm glad we watched that we've gone back to watch something that is not fresh but definitely worth watching daniel what did you think of fresh so i'll probably just reiterate what i said last week and and you've i i'm was going to slag you off then a bit and say, you're normally really bad for spoiling films pre-spoiler. <laughs> I don't think you do, but you put in bits that I'd go, oh, there's a slight spoiler. Um, I'm going off on a tangent now. Go in blind as a badger. That's all I'm telling people to do if you can. I think don't even read that little synopsis of it. Don't look at the poster. I don't know how you can do that without clicking on it. But yeah, if you're intrigued just just go and watch it similar to you I'd, I'd heard some buzz and this premiered in america on hulu didn't it about a month ago and it was it was all the rage people were talking about it 
I did know, though, that it was classed as a horror comedy, which, again, I wish I hadn't known about it prior to watching it. The first quarter, as you've mentioned, it's this sweet little sort of rom-com where Daisy Edgar-Jones has just had enough of the dating scene and then she has this chance encounter at a grocery store um, in the vegetable section and she meets Sebastian Stan and this blossoming romance develops. And you you do get wrapped up in that relationship, I think. I, again, felt that they were both very likeable and charismatic people. There's chemistry between them, definitely. And I did root for them as a couple. But then 30 minutes in, things take a turn for the worst. And there's this trip they've planned together. And Sebastian Stan is much like Jimmy Savile. Not all he appears to be, but he's not a paedophile. Okay? Spoiler. He's not a paedophile. Up until that point as well, you don't have any credits till 30 minutes in. And then you get this really trippy title sequence all of a sudden. And I just, something so simple like that, I loved how different it was. It like sets up this one sort of a film for a large amount of time. And then it's this, oh, we're messing with you. It's not that type of film at all. And then what follows is not outside of what you would expect of a horror film, but it's more the structure of it, which I really liked. It's it's interesting and it it's playful with the execution of it. And the music, as an example of that, I really like the needle drops in this. They're completely at odds with what's happening on the screen. It's, you know, it's quite dark in tone, but you wouldn't guess that from the music, which is lively and upbeat. It gives it this unusual and off-kilter tone that I really enjoyed. Sebastian Stan, I did not just get it off you saying it. I knew he was the Winter Soldier, but I never knew his name until the last few years or so. But Pam and Tommy, which we both watched quite a bit of recently, he was very good in that. And he's a cocky in this, but he plays a very different type of one to Tommy Lee. He's a more, as you said, sinister and calculated guy rather than this entitled buffoon. So it just showed that he had this range that I wasn't... um, expecting from him daisy egg jones i've not seen normal people either and i feel compelled to do so now she's got a real screen presence i think you've instantly warmed to her there's just something very watchable about her and she isn't a victim in this or she isn't just a victim she's intelligent and she uses it to her advantage and i think you're referring to these scenes as well but there's some interactions later on that we'll talk about in spoilers where they were my most favourite moments in the scene. She really shines in those moments. On the flip side of it, though, because of how the film presents its characters, and you've slightly touched on it, you, you could read it as a complete damnation of the male species because most male characters, in fact, now that I say most, all of the male characters are in this aren't very redeemable. When I found out it was directed by two women, uh, directed and written by um, two different women, I thought that kind of bolsters the argument. But overall, I think it's it's too light in tone for you to take it serious and think that it's going for that messaging. I just don't think it is at all. It's It's mostly just a fun, gory film that I personally loved, and I will definitely be watching this again. Um with me saying light, by the way, do not show your 12-year-old this film. It's it's not that light. Um, but I just think in terms of the tone, as I say, it's, it's not full-on comedy, but I did laugh at quite a lot 
of this film that I wasn't expecting to. It's uh, very humorous in, in a dark way. Very good. And I won't make the same mistake. We have in other episodes. We'll actually name the director. Mimi Cave is a director written by Lauren Kahn. It's really difficult to talk about without going into spoilers. So should we just before we do into it? Yep. James, two horror films on the trot. You're not a big horror fan. Do you feel feel yourself warming to the genre, maybe? Yes, I do feel myself warming to it. But I feel like these two would both have more more going on than Oh definitely. Just they're not pure horror. So go on then, James. Would you recommend fresh? Yes, I would. Daniel, would you recommend Fresh? Yes. Let's go into spoilers. Bruce Willis' real name is Tyler Durden. Sank at the end. Oh, thanks a lot. Spoilers. Noah, played by Daisy Edgar Jones, meets Steve, Sebastian Stan. It's a whirlwind romance. They go on a trip. Steve engineers a situation in which Noah is in his house, drugs her, twist. Steve captures women and cuts pieces of them off to sell to the super rich to eat. But he keeps the women alive so that the meat stays fresh. Noah resolves to escape, of course, by manipulating Steve into thinking that she wants to eat the fresh meat. She bites a piece of him off, escapes. Her friend, Molly, tracks Steve down, but is also captured. But Molly, Noah, and Penny, another woman, escape together. Another twist. Steve's wife, Anne, she's got one leg. Hmm, so she must have been a victim, but she's been seduced by Steve and they have two kids together but Anne ends up dead in the end as well and Steve gets like brutally murdered in a very satisfying way would you say that's a fair summary yeah I mean you you didn't mention the word penis which is the bit that gets spitting off him but I assume that was just because you didn't want to use the word penis so I've said it for you and the final shot it starts off with an unsuccessful online a, a Tinder date. The final shot is Noah's phone in the forest and it flashes up with a text message from the unsuccessful date in the first scene, just saying, you up? Question mark. And then that, that's the end of the film. Just reminding you about online dating, which is why I think it's, it's, it's more about modern dating. Eating away at people and the commodification of love and relationships. If it's about something, I think that's that was what I felt it was about. I've not read interviews with the director or writer, but that's what I thought was going on as I was ruminating on it over the last few days. I hadn't even thought about it in that much depth, but I think you just put it in a very succinct way and I'm inclined to agree with you. I think that's, um, that's a very good reading. So I'll take it, thanks. Okay. <laughs> Did you, I'm just curious, you didn't mention the comedy side of it. Did you not, I think even if you don't find it funny, it still works as a film. Did you just not kind of get that feel from it or did it not work for you in that sense? Or I, th- just, I think just... I didn't get, I get what you're saying, that it is, it's light in tone, mm. but I don't remember laughing. It was more just, this is 
this is very strange and I don't think I'm supposed to take it very seriously. But I wasn't laughing. Which which bits are you thinking of that was funny? I mean, don't get me wrong. I wasn't full on lolling. Um, but just little bits where there's pop music and Sebastian stands dancing around his kitchen and just throwing body parts in boxes to it and stuff like that. I mean, it's not, as I say, it's not laugh out loud, but it was. I found it humorous. And then you've got him singing away when he's carrying out the medical procedure, removing Daisy Edgar Jones's buttocks. Um, and I think there's some little line in there. Oh, forgive me. I can't remember exactly what he says, but that did actually make me laugh. It's not like a, <laughs> but there's just bits that I thought, oh, it's quite like, quite like this. You're not going for full on doom and gloom darkness. There's some, you know. Yeah. He says, I don't think this is a line, but at the start of that bit, he says, I'm, I'm taking your ass in a totally nonchalant way. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that it's not totally dark because even though you get scenes of no, it letting it, and it's extremely distressing, it's not like it's just constantly her in tears, completely terrified. Like she takes control of the situation quite early on. Yeah. And I think actually that speaks more to comedy as well. So those bits where she is, and it was the scenes I was referring to before, when she has the dinners with him, the two dinners, she's obviously trying to psychologically manipulate him. And, and we've seen this before when you've got someone's captor and they're trying to just, oh, no, I, I'm, I'm subject to Stockholm Syndrome now. I'm fully in your world. I'm, I'll do whatever you please. And she's obviously playing that part. But it's how committed she is in those moments. So they're, having, they're laughing and joking about the fact that they are eating a human being. And she's like, oh, she's got better tits than me. And just little lines like that where it's so natural in such a weird setting that even though it, it almost made me feel a bit uncomfortable because it should not be funny, but how far she actually went with it, I was laughing because it was a funny thing to say about what they're doing i don't know i don't quite know what i'm saying now but that's yeah no, i get what you're saying when when they first um have meat i think he it's like a meatball thing i did actually feel a bit sick oh yes no so it's, it's so convincing that they're eating human flesh because you mm. see the the leg cut off like it doesn't it's obviously a human leg and then the next scene it's like oh here's just a meatball i did feel a bit like oh god this is really convincing that they're eating meat. It's horrible. And that's the bit that I think played out so well. And you mentioned it early before where it's more the suggestion of things. So in fact, this isn't even suggestive actually as an example, but you know, when she's just had that procedure done by Sebastian Stan, she sits on the toilet and she pulls down her knickers and you just see, it's just spotted blood in knickers, but you know that that's the aftermath of somebody having their ass removed that was enough to knock me sick even though it wasn't full-on gory it's just yeah. a lot more subtle um which which i liked and it's the same thing for as you say eating the meat it's just knowing that that is human flesh is oh. yeah because you don't see any injuries on living people you only yeah. see quick flashes of limbs and people that pink off people on the thing about going in blind so I'd gone in blind. I hadn't seen a trailer. And for some reason I was on, I think I was on IMDb because I wanted to check out what is the age gap between these two. But then it shows the plot summary, which, end, which says 
battling to survive her new boyfriend's unusual appetites. And that was in the first 20 minutes that I'd seen that. And then I, it was when I saw unusual appetites, I thought, oh, it's, it's going to be him eating human meat. Mm. That's ruined. I had no idea. But just seeing that word appetites, we just thought, oh, so this is about fresh, fresh meat, human meat is going to capture and cut her up and eat her. Yeah, and that's what I hate. That's why I hate trailers and things mm. like that. Because imagine, and it's really hard to now go back. You can't retrospectively say how would I have felt watching this film had I not known that detail. But I think it would have been more impactful because it is such a bait and switch. With the you have thirty minutes of a very nice rom com, and then oh shit, <laughs> this is really dark territory now for the rest of the ninety minutes that we've got. It's just so polar opposite to what came before. Yeah. I think it would have looked yeah. different. Because I thought it might be about stalking or something. Just because mm. the poster, it's Sebastian Sand doing a sinister look. But it's not just that he's going to eat her. The What was the surprise was that I keep multiple women and I am basically a, a butcher to the super rich. And I, that, was, that was a surprise. But yeah, I just wish... I wish I didn't know mm. that it was about me. But the way it builds up to it is good because he's like, oh, let's go away for a weekend. Mm, okay, a bit soon for that. Let's go to my place first. Something's obviously not right here. Get out, Noah, get out now. And she has no idea. But then when she arrives, she says, so have you got Wi-Fi? And he goes, oh, it must, it must be. It must be something wrong with the router. And you just see this flash of realisation in Noah's eyes. You think she's she's just she's just now realised something's not right, but she still she wants to believe it's okay, but it's not. And it yeah. still takes a little bit yeah. more time for her to realise. And if you, that's why you should go in blind because it's it's only really after what like 35, 40 minutes when she wakes up in that room and she, that's the amazing scene I was talking about where she wakes up, she's all dazed, and then she has this like upset, horrified reaction. Then she gets angry and goes through all the stages. It's only then when you would realise as a blind viewer, he's capturing people to sell the meat. What the hell is this film? Yeah. But let's sing its praises for not calling it flesh and calling it fresh, because that would have uh, further ruined things. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that. What? I don't want to dwell on a point that could get us into trouble, but obviously we mentioned the gender politics bit didn't bother me, but did you notice how the other guy, the only other male presence in this film who helps, what's her actual name in the film? Noah. Helps Noah's friend track her down. He finds himself at this property of Sebastian Stans. As soon as anything remotely bad goes down, he just ups and leaves and goes, yeah, not having anything to do with this. Bye. You're on your own. Yeah. And I thought that was the only bit that made me, that pushed me towards, uh, there might be something in saying this is a bit of a comment on how men yeah. are all bastards. But, um, but like I say, it was, it was just too playful for me to go, no, you're having a real serious message here. I just didn't feel that. So yeah, it was fine. But then to counter that letter on, uh, Steve's husband, Anne, played by Charlotte LeBon it's revealed that not only does she know what's going on, but she seems to have some position of authority. Like she's telling the guard what to do. She, I think she 
set, tells the guard to collect Steve's body, and I thought, well, that's obviously to, to like cut him up and eat him. Mm. So you have his wife Anne, like she's also evil, and then she gets brutally murdered with a spade to the head. And Molly says, "Women like you are the problem." So that's why that's why I think there's a bit more, bit more to it. Yeah, no, fair, fair point, fair point. And this ends when he's talking about who he sells to. He says, "I sell to the one percent of the one percent," which is a class thing. So, yeah. Should we wrap it up? Is yes. it cooked? Is that is that cooked? Is it fully cooked and roasted and it's ready? It's not to working. Be, this is it. No. I was I was trying as I was talking I was trying to link it back to um, Gordon Ramsay but I couldn't do it not <laughs> as I was already talking. Uh, I think we have suitably made this topic medium rare and therefore ready for the majority of people's consumption. So, with that, James, what are we on with next week? If you do care to know, I'll tell us. We are reviewing. The Outfit, starring Mark Rylance, which is supposed to be good. So we're going to watch that instead of the Dumbledore film. And thank God for that, because that means that I don't have to go back and watch the other Fantastic Beast film, which I have no intention of ever watching. The Outfit, by the way, in cinemas as of the 8th of April. So if you wish to watch that in advance, do it. Thank you very much for listening. If you wish to leave us any feedback, you can do so at inthealspodcast at gmail.com. You can leave us a five-star review and rating on iTunes and other podcast platforms. And you can follow us in terms of visuals on Instagram at inthealspodcast. James, any parting words of wisdom for those who have a slight desire to eat human flesh? Don't, Don't do it. Don't do it. Never a wiser word spoken. Thanks, James.